Good morning. I'm Daniel. If you haven't met me. Um, Steve, can you pull up All Glory Be to Christ? I want to sing a verse and a chorus from that as we kind of transition into hearing the word of the Lord today. Part of this is my coping mechanism of getting the nerves out because I haven't preached in a few years here. Um, Let's sing this together. And uh, let's sing this with gusto. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house in vain. Its builders strive to you who boast tomorrow's gain. Tell me, what is your life amidst that vanishes at dawn? All glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will Amen. All right, so as I said, my name's Daniel. Um, I, uh, I get to teach today, and I just, as a reminder, I know that this is going to come as like a, okay, you've said this before a lot from the front, but first Sunday of the month today, a sermon Sunday. Second Sunday of the month at Moran is typically given to celebration through song, testimony. Third Sunday is more about connecting us relationally, and then the fourth Sunday of the month is praying together. And this is the rhythm that we're in as a family right now at Moran Park. And it's been fun because my family doesn't come every Sunday. But when we do come, we're really pumped about what we see happening here. Because more people are participating. More are stepping into leadership. More are learning to listen and to follow and to lead. And that's just awesome. Is it not? Yeah. So what God's doing here is really exciting. Um, As I said, the first Sunday of the month is is devoted to sermonizing. And these sermons have a particular focus over the last number of months on the character of God, on who he is. So we've heard from a bunch of different people about God's goodness, about his sovereignty, about his faithfulness, about God as creator, and God as shepherd. Um, These are all aspects of who God is. And before I I talk about what we're going to be looking at today, I just want to give a little bit more of an introduction of myself to you. Um, It was about eight years ago today, not exactly, but nearly, that I stepped foot through the doors of Moran Park. And um, there's a few of you that were here then. And um, seven of those years, as most of you know, I've been able to serve as worship pastor for the community here. 
But then back in July, God called me into the transportation and logistics industry, which is a hot industry right now <laughs> and a hurting one at that. So if you're looking for a job, driving truck probably sucks, but it is needed. <laughs> um, and over the course of the last eight years, I have experienced God. I want to read Psalm 107, part of this psalm, verses 4 through 9, to just testify to what God's done for Daniel Branch while I've been able to be a part of this community. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. This psalm tells my story. I was wandering and my life was ebbing away. I was, when I came here eight years ago, I was trapped in crippling anxiety. And I had had six homes in six years. I felt rootless. I felt like even because of my anxiety that God himself wasn't my safe place. So it sucked a lot. I was hungry for peace, for settling, for freedom, and for Jesus. And I was crying out to him all the time for help. During the past eight years, like I said, I experienced God. I'm going to testify now. I have been walked out of deep mental and emotional stress and anxiety. I have been walked out of bondage to selfishness and have become a better friend and neighbor. I've learned what mercy and integrity mean. And I've come to know Jesus more. Also, sweetly, I've been cared for and nurtured by Jesus' church beautifully. And I've had friends pursue me when I haven't been able to reciprocate at all. So I have experienced the goodness of God. He's led me by a straight way to a place where I can settle. For sure, Holland for a time. I don't know if he'll keep us here forever or not. But even more so to making him my safe place, my hiding place. He's satisfied my hunger and my thirst with good things. In short, he's becoming enough for me. And that's where we're going to plant our feet today. God who is enough for us. So we're going to pray. Thank you that you love revealing yourself to us, God. You choose to draw near to us. And it's our prayer today that as we hear your word, that you would open blind eyes to see you and know your glory more. That you would glorify your name. And that you would just fill us hungry, thirsty souls. We need you. Whether we know it or not, we need you. Thank you that we get to be together as a family today. And thank you that you, Jesus, our head, preside over this time. Amen.
Okay. So my wife, Amelia, and I, we have two girls. Naomi. Hi, Naomi. She's three. And Louisa, she's about, or she's almost three, I should say. She's not three. Don't get that in your head just yet, Nay. Um, and Louisa's about six months old. And Naomi and I have what I would call a complicated relationship. Um, when I pictured having kids, I definitely expected complicated relationship with my teenagers when they grew up. But with my three-year-old, I was like, come on, like it's got to be smooth sailing. I mean, Pat Wyke's here. They've got a daughter, Lydia, and Lydia is like glued to this guy. And so I just had this image in my head, like I'm going to have that relationship. But me and Naomi, it's complicated. So let me describe to you what this relationship is like. Um, earlier this week, it's bedtime, and I'm putting Naomi down, and it's, it's my turn. So we lay down, I'm, I'm looking her in her eyes, and I just say to her, hey, girl, I love you. And she kind of looks past me. I love you, Mom! <laughs> and, and then later on in the week, same deal. I'm putting her to bed, and I, I again, just longingly look at her look into her eyes she's looking at me hey girl I'm so excited to see you tomorrow when in the morning mom I'll see you in the morning <laughs> just like what is this Amelia's not even in the room you know and and so those are funny but this one sucks um, we have this fire alarm that's finicky and sometimes it goes off and it so happened that a while back, the fire alarm went off and Naomi was, was spooked. And, and she crumbles into a ball of tears and fears on my lap. And she's just in the worst place. And this is my moment as a dad. I'm like, all right, I'm here. You have all my heart, all my emotional presence, all my love and attention right now, girl. I am yours. And who does she call for? Mom! And, and I'm just torn up. I'm, I'm literally, my heart hurts in that moment because I'm not insecure, at least in that moment. I wasn't insecure as a dad. I just wanted my daughter to, to need me and to receive my grasp, to be okay with being in my arms and just bawling her face out from fear. And that wasn't what happened. But interestingly, the father speaks to me in that moment as she's crying, and he just says to me, uh, where is it? He says, I get this, Daniel. I understand what you're feeling more than you know. God's empathizing with me in that moment, relating to my experience, but more than empathizing with me, he's also talking to me. He's saying, Hey, you're like Naomi, Daniel. You are like your three-year-old. You do that all the time with me. And I just want to specify here, there's no shame in his tone. It is invitation. It's warmth. It's longing for connection. That's what I'm getting from the Father in that moment. So, when I, when I, in my life, I encounter something that I don't understand and I'm scared, or when I'm insecure in a crowd of people, or exhausted after putting my kids down at the end of a long day, or hurting 
from the way that somebody has been persistently treating me in my life, who do I turn to? Where do I go? Whose name do I call on? Sometimes it's God, for sure. I do. But over the last few months, more often than not, it seems to me, as I reflect, it's, it's YouTube and Netflix and interesting transportation articles on LinkedIn or food, 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 coffee, coffee, testify. Now, I, I know our propensity to joke around in this area because it is kind of funny. And honestly, I think that that sort of just, it proves the point. This is a big boat and we are all in it, <laughs> right? Like we, we all have our things that we turn to when we're stressed or tired or anxious, even content, we do this. Doesn't matter. We don't have to be in a bad place. So um, I surveyed some people this week, fiction novels, a couple of drinks, frantically searching for answers online or in books, affirmation from others, worldly advice, control, projects around the house or at work, tasks, social media. We're all in the same boat here, family. Many of us have experienced the rich mercy of God over and over and over in our lives, and still we do this. Can I get an amen? We do this. Here's the great news, though. God wants to be our source of filling. He wants us to know how he's pouring out into our lives and how, he, how he's going to meet us in our place of hunger. And it's with this basic fact that I, I, we get to turn to the word of God today to see how God is meeting us hungry people. So, Genesis 17, verses 1 through 2. It's a small chunk. Don't feel like you need to go there in your Bible. It'll be on the board. It says this, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. He says, I am God Almighty, or in Hebrew, many of you have heard this phrase, El Shaddai, the name of God that he reveals to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And this is the only name that they know him to be. They don't know him as Yahweh yet, the Lord. God just reveals himself as El Shaddai, the Almighty God, as it's often translated. The first time that they've had a brush up with the one true God, and this is the name that he gives them, which is significant. So it's a powerful experience that actually throws Abraham on his face before God when God encounters him, which is a common experience throughout the scriptures. And here God's beginning to differentiate himself from all of the other small gods that were in the ancient Near Eastern culture. So they had a massive pantheon of gods that they worshipped then. And the term El in El Shaddai, the term El literally meant God. It was a term that showed up all the time in, um, in pagan religions. And there was actually a god in Canaanite mythology that's name was El. 
and he was thought to be the creator and supreme God. And I just think that that's fascinating. So if God shows up to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and says, my name is El, it's common. It's, it's insignificant. It's already a term that they used. So Shaddai is the descriptor word here. This is the important one. And like I said, it's commonly interpreted, at, especially like you saw earlier, as God Almighty. But what's interesting is that the word Shaddai is made up of a, a Hebrew word, Shad. Does anybody know what Shad means? Nope. It means breast. As in the upper frontal organ on a woman's body that secretes milk after pregnancy. Pretty fascinating that the, the first time that God's revealing himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there are connotations of a nursing mother. Swallow that one, no pun intended. So we all know that a child can't live apart from the nourishment that comes from milk. And here specifically, the milk is coming from the breast of a mother. One source, which is the mother's breast, and the child has all that he or she needs to develop into a mature toddler to the next stage. One source. So we come back to El Shaddai now. Some scholars actually think that God Almighty might not be the best the best translation of El Shaddai. Some think that actually all-sufficient one or the God who pours forth might be more accurate. God is revealing himself, yes, as the one who has all might, but that essential, and really get this, essential to his might is nourishment, is sustenance, is provision. Beautiful. So I watch my six-month-old after she feeds from my wife's breast right now, and she just, you know, like, it's just the best milkshake she's ever had. And, and this is the same thing that happens for us after we've had a perfect meal, and we haven't overeaten, we didn't top off the tank, we're just like, we're content. You all know that feeling. You kick back in the chair, satisfied. This is the effect of receiving from El Shaddai, the God who pours forth, the all-sufficient one. This is what happens when we call on his name. Praise God. Would somebody bring me some water, please? Just a cup of water. That'd be great. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. So, a newborn brings all sorts of needs to the table. We'd be wrong to just assume that the physical nourishment of milk is the only thing that's being provided in that moment. Uh, for sure, the milk is the baseline. Without the milk, the kid can't live, and the relationship doesn't matter. But in addition to the milk, there's stability, there's security, there's emotional attachment, there's, there's connection happening between infant and mother. Thank you, sir. Does that make sense? There's more than just milk. This is going to prove important. Um, so we've got the visible needs of warmth and nourishment, and we've got the invisible needs of emotional connection, connection attachment, security. 
these are all being met through the act of breastfeeding. And I had this insight this week that was like, breastfeeding itself is actually the act of God, El Shaddai, ministering to the infant through the mom. I mean, if God is the source of all things, then yes, the, the milk comes from the, the body of the mother, but the ability to give milk comes from God. Therefore, a mother gets to participate in the ministry of El Shaddai to the infant. Isn't that wild? It's so cool. It's just a, a total different reframing of what's happening. So El Shaddai, the poorer forth, the all-sufficient one who is enough, he knows the array, the array of needs that we have as humans. He knows every single one of them. And today, he's meeting with us here to say, I am God who pours forth. I am sufficient and I have what you need. I am enough for you. I am enough for you. Before we move on, I think that it needs to be pointed out that the sheer number of times that God addresses hunger and thirst, both spiritual and physical, in the Bible is overwhelming. You can think of all of the times that hunger and thirst are mentioned, if you're familiar with the scriptures. And the reason is because the need is persistent. Like, hunger and thirst is something that humans have had issues with since, since forever. But what's beautiful is that God El Shaddai is ready to provide just as frequently, just as persistently. So let's move through a little bit of, of some of the other scriptures in the Bible that talk about this. Psalm 23. A lot of you are going to be familiar with this. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. Different imagery. God's, or David's using the imagery of shepherd. But the same provision that comes pouring out from God and into David's life. It's enough to lead David to say that he has no lack that he's completely satisfied, just like, like after a meal, right? Just kicking back, oh, I have no lack. Eugene Peterson in the message translates it as, um, I don't need a thing, which is just great. Return back to the psalm that I read at the beginning, Psalm 107. I want to read it with some new eyes now, understanding El Shaddai here. Steve, can you pop that up? Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Hungry and thirsty. Again, that, that like, we need El Shaddai. Hunger, thirst. Then they cried out to the Lord, Yahweh, in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. He, gave, he let them give thanks to the Lord, Yahweh, for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For, El Shaddai here, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. This is our God, El Shaddai. Hunger and thirst are taken care of by him. Let's move to the New Testament now. Um, I want you to understand, I don't make a habit of yanking verses out of their context. I don't like to do that as a practice, but I think that it really helps serve the point here. So I'm going to do it today. Um, 
James preaches to us in, in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, echoes of El Shaddai, that whether we acknowledge the gift or the giver, the source of the gift is God himself who pours forth into creation and into our lives. Paul, in Romans 15, 13, prays, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Here, Paul's praying for the church, and he's praying that God, El Shaddai, would provide hope, joy, and peace. So, do you have any measure of hope, joy, and peace in your life today? If so... This is from El Shaddai, so give him thanks. There's a famous passage from 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where Jesus himself addresses Paul, and he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's very churchy language for saying, I'm enough. When you don't think you've got anything to bring to the table— I'm enough. Period. End of story. So, do you, church, have evidence of strength today in your life, potentially in the midst of some of the most devastating or hard days that you've ever experienced? If you have some strength, this is from El Shaddai. So give him thanks. Let's not forget what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount about physical needs also. I think this is vital. We're talking spiritual, we're talking physical, we're talking everything in between. God's taking care of it. Jesus teaches us, um, let's see, where is it? Uh, Don't be anxious about your life, what we'll eat or what you'll drink, or about the body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Echoes of El Shaddai. And not just for humans, but for birds. The poorer forth. Your heavenly Father needs them, uh, feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And then we skip down a bit to verse 33, where he says, But, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, And all these very practical things will be provided to you. What beautiful echoes of who God is as El Shaddai. So, do you have, you obviously have clothing today. This comes from El Shaddai. So give him thanks. Do you have food on your table? This comes from El Shaddai. So give him thanks. Do you have a table? This comes from El Shaddai. So give him thanks. There's one final one from 2 Corinthians 1 that I want to read. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us 
in our troubles. Again, echoes of El Shaddai. Providing comfort. God comforts us, and we in turn get to comfort others. That we participate with El Shaddai in the ministry of pouring out comfort. And remember, this is the similar image to the mother participating in the nourishment of the child. That Yahweh is the source, El Shaddai is the source, pouring out through us milk, comfort, whatever need it might be, into the one who needs it. An infant needs milk. The hurting need comfort. God is the source. We get to participate with him. So these are things visible, bread, clothes, and invisible, hope, peace, comfort, that God promises to fill us with. And these are legitimate needs, but we haven't gotten to the best part yet. The absolute best part is that union with God is humanity's greatest need. Union with God is our greatest need, our city's greatest need. To accomplish this, God pours forth himself. We're talking about stuff here, you know, food, drink. But God doesn't stop there. He doesn't hold anything back and pours forth himself for the life of the world. El Shaddai, the pourer out of all good things, literally pours out his blood so that the rebellious world can be restored to relationship with him. How good is he? El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, says on the cross, it is finished. What I have done is enough for salvation for all who believe. I am enough. My blood is enough. And I've poured myself out for you. It doesn't need adding to. The work of restoring all creation back to God has been accomplished and it is being accomplished through the man Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. In fact, Joel, the prophet, prophesied once that in, in the end times, let me read it actually, I don't want to butcher it. In the, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Pour out my spirit. Sound familiar? So El Shaddai is used, uh, God, God describes himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. It's not a, a name that's commonly used throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Exodus, some um, a smatterings of it in other places, and in Job. But I just want you to, I want to observe today that the echoes of, of this aspect of who God is are consistent. Is I, I hope that that's becoming clear. That doesn't matter that he's not continuing to, to reveal himself as El Shaddai. He is continuing to reveal himself as enough, as the satisfier, as the nourisher, the pourer forth in all kinds of different ways. <clears throat> Excuse me, ways. 
So this happens at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit, where he's pouring out himself on the believers, and it's happened ever since, as people have put their faith and trust in Jesus, that the Spirit of God gets poured out into our lives. Himself in us. This is who God is. Woo! So, have you been filled with the Spirit of God through belief in Christ? If so, this comes from El Shaddai. So give him thanks. All right. Here's what we've established so far. You tracking with me? Okay, most of you are. Whether we've tasted the goodness of God a thousand times, five times, or never, we're all in the same playing field in that we turn to lesser things. Amen? We do this when we're bored, when we're hungry, when we're content, when we're exhausted, when we're restless, when we're in pain. Amen? El Shaddai, the pourer forth of all things, draws near to us tenderly, moment by moment. Amen? He is constantly looking to take care of every seen and unseen need that we possess throughout the entirety of our life as we call on his name. And he wants us to know that he is the source of all good and perfect things in our lives. The practical, the spiritual, and everything in between. So, what's our response to this? What do we do with this knowledge? I want to turn one more time to Psalm 107. And we're going to let this psalm teach us what a response might look like. Uh, Actually, I didn't put this one up. So, God satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things, if you remember it saying that. Therefore, let them give thanks to God for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them give thanks. It's pretty simple. As people who are recipients of God's unfailing love and wonderful deeds, we give thanks. We acknowledge God, El Shaddai, is the source of all good and perfect things in our lives. He's the source of the milk in the mother's body given to the infant in her lap. He's the source of the comfort that the church gives a family grieving the loss of their unborn child. He's the source of the food on our table. He's the source of the table itself and the friendships and family that occupy its seats. He's the source of the mental ability to work during the day when we've had no sleep at night. He's the source of the gorgeous Lake Michigan sunsets. He's the source of of life that we receive when we read his word and when we draw near to him in prayer. He's the source of our ability to taste and feel and smell and touch and hear. He's the source of the next steps for our church family as we seek him together for our future. 
He's the source of the deep friendships that we've worked for years on cultivating. He's the source of the spiritual gifts that we're blessed with by one another when we gather on Sundays or in homes throughout the week. He's the source of your job. He's the source of your paycheck. He's the source of your ability to show up and actually do work. As much as our American culture would like to preach it, family, we are not self-made people. Nobody in this room is self-made. We feel like we are all the time. We feel entitled to our paycheck. We are not the source. El Shaddai, God Almighty, the sustainer, the provider, the nourisher, he is the source. He deserves all thanks and praise. So, this week, I guess in response, I want to encourage our community to take some time to just sit with God. To reflect on where has he been your source. I want to make space to let the Spirit of God unveil our eyes to the provision that he's pouring out into our lives. Again, we're talking about the range of provision here. We're talking about the spiritual, the physical, and everything in between. And some of us are needing some imagination. I mean, that's what this teaching is, I think, God wanting to use this teaching for, is, like, understand that, that there's no categorization here of things that are from me and things that are not when it comes to the good and perfect. Broken? No, I don't think that God's the source of all brokenness. Absolutely not. But the good and perfect, yes, and our lives are chock-filled with the good and perfect. So how are we going to spend some time this week reflecting on this? I don't care how you respond. I just want you to respond. Some of us, this is going to be really easy because we're in a real thankful time of our life. Just boiling over all the time. Look at how God is amazing. And then others of us, this is going to take some significant discipline because we don't want to go to him. I didn't when I showed up here eight years ago, for sure. But the Lord is inviting us as a community to come to him, to reflect. So what I want to do is I just want to take a minute here and um, I want to be quiet together and ask that you just use the silence to make a plan with God for this coming week. That you make a commitment to him to set aside some time to reflect. And, um, and then we're going we're gonna to plan the play, and then we're going to play the plan. That's what we're going to do as a community. Abby's like, <laughs> meaning we're going to listen to, we're going we're gonna to make a commitment to God, and then we're going to do it this week. We're going to meet with him. So, let's take some silence Understand what week you have ahead of you. Don't make a commitment too large for you to be able to accomplish. But let's make a commitment to the Lord to meet with him, to give him thanks. When and where.
If you need to schedule it in your calendar right now, please do. I found that that actually helps a lot. Musicians, if you guys would come up right now, please. So, earlier I said that God's the source of our next steps as a church family. And I know that a lot of us are still wondering, like, what is God doing at Moran Park? I know our elders are asking the same question, that we're all in this boat together. And this is where I want to end today. A couple of weeks ago, we had some time after our week of prayer and fasting as a community to gather and share what we thought the Lord was saying to us. And if you remember, it was overwhelmingly clear that God wasn't calling us to particular concrete steps moving forward at that time. But he was calling us to himself. You guys remember that? Unbelievably wonderful that that's his move in that. You know, that as we're seeking him as a body— and we're listening that he's saying, me, I am your goal. I will show you. And so let's, let's receive the word of God today as El Shaddai into that space as a family. That uncertain space. God will nourish us as we stay close to him. God will provide for us as we call on his name. He will. I bet my life on it. He won't come up short in this. His word says this is who he is. I've experienced him in this way too many times. He will be faithful to us. Let's pray. You're beautiful, God. Thank you. Thank you for being the one who pours forth into us, the Almighty One, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Thank you for the, the tone of your voice that you come to us with today. You don't shame us. You invite us. You welcome us. Just like when Naomi was sitting on my lap and you were there with me, just that heart hurt of like, Oh, I just want you to be with me in this moment. I want you to know that I have what you need. And we hear you today saying that to us, God, and we pray that you would help our hearts to hear you. That you would be the source of this community. That you would train us as your sons and daughters, as your brothers and sisters, that you would train us to acknowledge you and understand that you are the one who pours forth. Train our minds, train our hearts. We can't manipulate ourselves into this, God. It needs to be the work and help of your Holy Spirit. So thank you for your word and your spirit that are moving today in us. And we just give ourselves to you as a community moving forward constantly. We give ourselves to you we draw near to you, and we call on your name, Almighty God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit.
It's in your name we pray and we put our hope. Amen.